Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Uh, so last week we got to hear from Pastor Nick uh, that the movement that we're moving into in Genesis, if it had chapter headings, might be considered chapter two. That as we start to look at the life of Abraham we're seeing, and, and his wife Sarah, we're seeing this recreative work of how God is moving through the world. And we get to see how it's, that same recreative work is happening in us today. So let me... Uh, point us to prayer as we dive into this text. God, thank you so much for your word that we get to return to this, that we get to hold on to this. When we are doubtful, we get to see your words of truth. Allow your spirit to rest on us right now as we wrestle with the truth that you offer. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, So last week we got to see Abraham's fear on display, and this week we're going to see his doubt. Uh, Can you see yourself with some fear and some doubt? You are not alone. And that God still makes a way for Abraham despite what he's bringing to the table. Uh, One of the things that's so beautiful is that we see in verse 6 is that even though Abraham brings things against God's plan, it's still counted to him as righteousness. It was so clear here is that Abraham is not the one earning favor, but instead God, God is working despite Abraham's mess-ups. Can we relate to this? This is fantastic because it's showing the nature of who our God is rather than the nature of us. Uh, doubt is something that I think is is really difficult to wrestle with because it feels like we're not allowed to. It feels like we don't have permission to have that one in our life. But we get to see here with Abraham that God still shows up and he doesn't, he doesn't wait for Abraham to get on board. He doesn't even have to have Abraham believe the plans for God to fulfill his promise. This is good news. Uh, so when we look at doubt, this, this, this is my survey question for you here, so you can participate by holding up your hand uh, with your fingers one through five. If you have had doubt in your life, that's like, uh, it doesn't have to be all the time, but maybe a season of your life you had doubt. Uh, hold up a hand, hold up your finger, number one. If it's very, very low, you're like, oh, no, really, I don't doubt that. Don't doubt that God is in control. I totally believe everything. Or a five of like, oh gosh, is God even in control sometimes? I have no idea. So just right now, hold, hold, up, hold up some fingers of where, you, of where you sit with where is God in control of stuff. Oh, this is fantastic. Look around the room and you will see that you are not alone. This is, this is amazing. The beautiful thing about this is that God does not leave us here or, or even require us to change for his promise to be fulfilled, but instead meets us here. This is good news. And, and he does not leave us here. I love the lyrics of the song that we were just singing. We've carried a burden for far too long on our own. We weren't created to bear it alone. These are words that Abraham could have written himself. 
And then, of course, it finishes here. We run to the Father and fall into grace. We fall into grace. It does not say we fall into earning it back. We fall into fantastic works. Did you see me? Did you get, did you get my gold star? We fall into grace. We are three chapters away from when God first called Abraham, and Abraham has reason to doubt because God says, hey, leave the land that you're familiar with, the land that you grew up with, and come to the land that I am promising you. Abraham does that and then experiences a famine. What are you doing here, God? God says to Abraham, hey, leave your family. Come follow me. I'm going to make you a great nation. But yet your wife is barren and you're super old. How are you supposed to, how are you supposed to be a nation when you can't even be a family. And so this is where Abraham rests right now. And he's, he's not understanding what's happening. So right now we're in chapter 15, and he asks this question, uh, who will be my heir? Who will be the offspring? Is it going to be Eleazar of Damascus? Because what he's essentially saying is, I could have done that. Eleazar is my servant. And, and for him to inherit everything is like normal. I didn't need to leave everything for this to be the path to follow you. Is that what's going to happen here? And God's response is, it's not going to be your servant. It's going to be your son. It's going to be your heir from you. This is super hard to believe because of where he is right now. Barren wife, and, and he's like in no place to raise a kid. But we also hear this similar language from Genesis 3. When we see in the beginning that from Eve is promised one who will come and deliver them. One who will be struck by the serpent, the, he will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will strike his heel. A promised heir. And here we have it again in Genesis 15, a promised heir. This is the beauty of rereading scripture. That we cannot read the story one time and think, Got it, log that away. Similar to the way that we watch a movie, that we would say, oh, I've already seen A Bug's Life. I cannot watch it for the 15th time. <laughs> but the beauty of returning to Scripture is that when we do over and over and over again, we start to see linkages that we did not see before. That it is not necessarily mastering Scripture, but learning it. And eventually, we get to see ourselves and our own character coming through. So that when you reread it, we get to see these promises that eventually, like this is talking about Jesus. The promised one that will strike the serpent, the promised one that's coming from Abraham, leads us to Jesus. So now we move into this really um, kind of odd story where he's cutting animals in half. This is not something that we're used to. So Abraham asks this question uh, of God saying, you're doing something you're promising something, but it's not here yet. You're also promising something that is impossible. How am I to know that it is true? How am I to know that this is going to be possible? Which I think the underlying questions inside that are, can you really do that? Is it real? Is, is God speaking to me real? Or am I kind of like making this up for myself? Or are you going to leave me once I mess up because I've messed up before? I think those are some of the underlying questions of how do I know that this is going to be true? 
And out of God's total graciousness, he responds. He doesn't need to respond to Abraham because his plan will move forward with or without us and he chooses to include us in his sovereignty here. He chooses to include us in the way that love is experienced by other people. And so he gives Abraham a response. And what he does is that he tells Abraham, uh, this is how you're going to know. You're going to cut these animals in half and you're going you're to lay them out like this. And when, and then you will walk through the middle. This is how a covenant was formed, an agreement or a promise was formed between two parties. This was really common to Abraham. This is not so common to us. So you, you cut the animals in half, and, you, and both parties stand on either side and, and say the terms of the agreement, and then both parties will walk through and say, if I break my end of the deal, then you can do to me what we've done to these animals. This is probably a little more binding than signing your name at the bottom of a piece of paper, right? So this is really, really serious, and Abraham knows what it means. So they cut the animals in half, and then Abraham is put into a deep sleep. Where else do we see a deep sleep? Genesis 3. Adam, before Eve is created, goes into a deep sleep, and then the rib is removed and Eve is created. Abraham is in a deep sleep. We're about to see some more creating happening. God is about to do some more creating, especially out of impossible circumstances. So then we see that uh, who passes through the animal pieces? A smoking pot and a uh, torch. That's super strange. This is God. Later on, we're going to see in, in the story of Exodus, uh, how is it that the people know that God is with them? It's a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire that leads them through the wilderness. And here we have smoke and fire, God's presence passing through the animals, establishing the covenant. But it's really easy to go, wait a minute, a covenant is between two people Abraham needs to pass through. Abraham doesn't. God says, out of my graciousness, I am the only one to walk through, not you, Abraham. And when, and when this covenant is broken, I will bear the weight, not Abraham. This will fall on me. This destructive nature will fall on me, not on Abraham. This is so beautiful because this points us directly to Jesus, that God fulfills his promise in this covenant right here, in Jesus, the animals are broken. And Abraham, you don't, even, you don't even know the rest of the story, and you know that Abraham messes up. And the brokenness falls on God, falls on Jesus. When he comes to the cross, and he gives his life over. You cannot take it from me, but I give my life for you. And the beautiful part about the story is that he's resurrected three days later that sin has a destructive nature about it, that the, the, he will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will strike back, we get to see that the destructive nature does not fall on humanity, but falls on God himself. This is how much he loves us and cares for us and wants us to be in his presence. One of the things that is just, is just so beautiful about who our God is is that 
the doubt that, that, that creeps up in Abraham's life does not hold him away from God. And so there's these two kinds of doubt that, that we get to see here. Doubt in God, can you really do that? And then self-doubt. Okay, you said you can do it, but I don't know if I can do it. So when we see this, this doubt in God, he shows up with a promise that is tangible and real. Do you want to know that I am true to you? Well, then, then let me work in a way that you're familiar with, with the, with the promise. Now, this self-doubt, the way that I get to experience Jesus is that other people, through common means, other people, through communion, common means, through baptism, water, common means, that God shows up. And that we get to be reminded, it's okay if you self-doubt, because it is not up to you. I don't know if you've ever been fired before, but it doesn't feel very good. I got fired in one of my first jobs when I was selling windows. And I was actually not selling windows, I was not selling anything, and this is why I got fired. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying really hard. I want to be a good window salesman because this is like my first career job and I'm like, yeah, I'm providing for my family. And I'm like, going to work. And they were like, we do not want you to work here anymore. And, and they let me go. And on, on my drive home, I'm just crying because I have this, this incredible fear of the future of, oh no, I had a job and now I don't. And this incredible doubt in God of, uh, wait a minute, I, I was following, following you. I was praying for this. You gave me the job and now you're taking it away. But also the self-doubt of, oh, my fear is confirmed that I don't see value in myself, and, and here they are confirming that. You're not valuable, and so we don't want you on our, on our window sales team. Incredible doubt and fear creeping up in this moment. And then I had three people who, I did not ask them to do this, who said, hey, can we, can we uh, meet with you, and we're gonna tell you all the things that we think are really positive that you bring into the world, and we're gonna put them up on a whiteboard. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess that, that feels kind of weird. At the same time, thank you so much, I really do need that. <laughs> Common means for Jesus' radical love. Common means people and a whiteboard are demonstrating you are valuable, not because we said you are, but because God said you are. That we get to experience the love of Jesus through many ways. One of them is, is the way that we treat each other. Can we see ourselves in Abraham? As Abraham expresses doubt in God, and God responds, that you get to bring this to him. And that it also might be tempting to think, well, wait a minute, if I just had an animal-splitting moment, if God just offered for me an animal-splitting moment, I wouldn't have doubts anymore. That's probably not true, because it's definitely not true for Abraham. The next chapter is his plans getting in the way. That he's tired of waiting for God's plans to take effect, and so he starts creating his own. And, and the beautiful thing about this is that our fears, our doubt, and our plans, they do not separate us from the love of Jesus. That his love is greater, his grace is more encompassing than what we have to offer. This is beautiful, this is good news for us. 
Let me pray for us as we continue in worship and, and move into our time of communion and response. God, I am so grateful that you show up for Abraham, that you demonstrate your character, that you show yourself as consistent, as constant, as pursuer, that you choose to work your love through us, that we get to experience your graciousness, that when we doubt, when we are afraid, this, this does not disqualify us from being in your presence. Thank you so much for the common means in which you work through to let us know how much you love us. In your name we pray, amen.